0: to Tatiana is Everyone, an Orphan Black podcast. I'm your host,
1: Chris. And I'm Stephanie. And this is not a spoiler-free episode. We will be talking about Orphan Black in its entirety, which as of this recording is up through the end of season two. So if you have not seen those first two seasons of the show, beware that there can be spoilers ahead for you. But before we start talking about Orphan Black stuff, we wanted to mention that the season five premiere of Lost Girl is coming up on December 7th on Showcase in Canada. And the reason we're mentioning it is because Chris and I are also co-hosts of a Lost Girl podcast with our friend Annie. It's called Drinks at the Doll. And if you're a Lost Girl fan, we would love it if you would join us for our episode discussions of these new season five episodes that, again, are premiering on December 7th up in Canada. So if you're interested in checking out the podcast, you can find us over at Drinks at the Doll. That's D-A-L, Drinks at the You can also find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. In this episode, we're
0: talking about Beth Childs, and I know a lot of people have been waiting for an episode on Beth. So here it is. It's mostly going to be a series of questions.
1: Yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> that's partially why we haven't tackled it sooner, because it's mainly just a whole bunch of questions. But qu- questions are good. I think questions are good. So, and I
0: think there's sort of more to go on slash more to ask questions about <laughs> post season two than we had post season one. So,
1: yeah, because I felt like at the toward the end of season one, past about episode five or so, references to Beth really started to to dwindle, and when, once Sarah revealed herself to Paul that she wasn't actually Beth, and so I was, I wasn't. Certain that we were done with Beth, but I wasn't sure exactly how much they were planning, how much more they were planning to reveal about Beth post season one. But I thought we got some really strong indicators in season two that there's, there's more to learn about Beth and there's more they're willing to maybe show us about Beth.
0: Right. I know a lot of people in fandom were really, really curious about Beth, wanted more of Beth after the first season, but I'm I'm pleased with where they took it in the second season. They really gave us some new information that really indicates there's more to the story than we even realized.
1: Because let's, let's talk about our first impressions of Beth, because, it, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the only images we see of Beth are in the first episode, correct? Maybe we might see a photo of her subsequent to that, but her actually being on screen and talking, that's only in the first episode, I think.
0: I think that's correct.
1: Yeah. So we, we, we see her. She's the, really the second clone we meet because we see Sarah first. And of course, she does this dramatic, wonderful thing to start a television series. Terrible thing to do in real life, but a wonderful thing to, to start a television series by, you know, looking exactly like our heroine we've just met and throwing herself in front of a train. And that's the only glimpse we've, so, so far we've gotten to see of Beth in real time while she was alive we get to see more of her in some videos but that's like all the screen time she really gets as as an alive person
0: yeah i mean we've talked about this before like what a way to start your series right is yeah. with with a poor this poor woman committing suicide it's horrifying but it's narratively effective
1: fair to say yeah no it's completely intriguing and just, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great way to start a series. And I, it's so interesting to me that that, that character who has had so very little screen time, especially being alive screen time, is still such a mystery and still, I think, pretty important to a lot of people in unraveling the story of the clone experiment.
0: Mm hmm. Well, I think because it is one of those things, The character of Beth is kept alive, in a sense, for several episodes, because Sarah is posing as her. Right. So we see people interacting with who they think is Beth. And I think that's really what stokes the audience's imagination or curiosity or what have you. Because now we've got all these questions because we've gotten a glimpse into what her life was, but we don't really know the whole picture, obviously.
1: And, and I've mentioned before, and I know, again, it's, it's a long shot, but I, that moment we see of her on the train platform where I believe she's talking on the phone. We see her first and she's kind of pacing and talking on the phone and her back is to camera, but maybe she's talking to herself. Now I can't remember. I always thought she was
0: talking to herself. I don't remember ever seeing a phone. Okay. So she's pacing and talking.
1: And then we see her very carefully, very meticulously take off her shoes, take off her coat, fold it neatly, and then she turns around and that's when Sarah realizes, oh, this woman looks just like me and walks in front of a train. And again, I know this is very unlikely, but I am still kind of curious if she knew Sarah was going to be on that train and was expecting her.
0: Right. And I think we've talked about this a little bit before, because she almost certainly had to know of Sarah's existence. Because we saw later when they ran the fingerprints, Sarah popped up in the system. Sarah's in the system. Beth, being a police officer, should have seen that.
1: I feel like that would be even a first place to start. Well, maybe not, but that that would be a logical search she would run in addition to doing a facial recognition search. Would be to do a fingerprint search and see if if she pulled up any fingerprints that were the same as hers in the system. So, but even if she did do a facial recognition system, you'd think that would also include, I, well, I mean, I guess Casima does specify it was for driver li- driver's licenses, but you think she would also run through mugshots. Because it's possible Sarah doesn't have a driver's license, though I think that's unlikely.
0: I'm trying to remember now if we ever see Sarah with her own driver's license.
1: I only recall seeing Beth's. Yeah. But she does know how to drive, and she, you know, it, it seems likely to me that she would, but maybe she doesn't.
0: But still, the fact that she's in the system, you'd think Beth would have seen it. Right. So yeah, it is one of those things, one wonders what happened there. Because of course, we know that Sarah had been out of probably Canada for the past 10 months, right? So, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know, it's possible that she went to the address on file and didn't find her there. And so, you know, didn't ever pursue it that much beyond
1: that, but. Or because of Sarah being a thief and trying to lay low, being a con artist trying to lay low, she just wasn't able to find her yet. Maybe Beth still had feelers out trying to find Sarah, but just hadn't been successful yet. Mm Mm-hmm. Cause we see that she finds people, she finds clones in the US, she finds Cosima, she finds Tony. But, and, but, you know, Tony's also not exactly an upstanding citizen, and she does manage to find him. So, who knows? But I, I am willing to entertain the notion that she was looking for Sarah, but maybe perhaps hadn't found her quite yet.
0: Right. I think that's a logical assumption.
1: But I do wonder, I do wonder, if she had kind of found her and was expecting her to come back to town on that train.
0: hmm Because,
1: I mean, maybe that's the whole reason she was at the train station, was to kill herself. But, I don't know. I almost got the sense that maybe she was there for another reason and then just... Snapped and threw herself in front of a train. I don't know. Beth is such a mystery. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Because I do have this this overwhelming question of why exactly did she jump? Because we're encouraged to believe it's one thing during the first season. But because the show is what it is, I, I do wonder if we don't really know the reason why she threw herself in front of a train yet. Right.
0: And there is the theory, too. And I mean, I don't know, obviously, because it's this show and it's hard to tell. But there is the theory I've seen floating around on on the internet that maybe it wasn't even Beth who killed herself.
1: It was like another clone and Beth has been off living another clone's life? Yes. Hmm.
0: Obviously, who knows? But But that was... I, I remember reading somewhere at some point that somebody thought that maybe, you know, maybe there had been another clone who had started to get sick, and so they offered to switch places with Beth so that Beth could fake her own death, essentially. Again, That's who knows? interesting.
1: That's an interesting theory, though. And that would, that would, that could be cool. That could be a cool story twist.
0: Although I think they have established that Dyad can identify which clone is which, right? Because yes. they, you know, thought they were investigating Beth. But no, it turned out to be Sarah. And they they didn't know it was Sarah, but they knew it wasn't Beth. So that would seem to indicate that maybe they're keeping tabs on all that sort of thing. So maybe that's not going to happen. But again, just throw yeah. it out there.
1: <laughs> yeah, they seem to know it's not Beth, though, when they come and draw blood from Sarah. And we don't really know how frequently they did that. Mm-hmm. So it could be possible that there was a switch, and because we also don't know that if dyad like went and collected Beth's body or after she died, it's not beyond the realm of possibility, but if you know we don't get a sense necessarily that they tested her blood to see if she was the clone she was supposed to be right, this is what I'm saying. yeah, I still think it's possible. I see what you're saying, and that's a good point. it seems unlikely because they were keeping track of who was who, but yeah, because like current Beth, if she's being monitored. If she switched with somebody, ah, that's the problem. Ha ha, I'm getting it now. <laughs> <laughs> if Beth is living some other clone's life and being, you know, monitored, like blood drawn and things like that, she would not last very long. So she'd well, have to go like deep if she, into hiding. If she
0: swapped, but maybe she's like run off to go live in a cabin in Canada somewhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She would probably, if she, if that were the case, she would need to be in deep hiding from Dyad. Yeah. Right. Which is possible because we do get a sense that she was on to Paul being a monitor. And maybe she, like Sarah, even realized that people were coming in and taking, drawing blood and doing whatever while she was sleeping.
0: Right. Well, and she knew Maggie Chen was following her and stuff. So, right. you know, it's possible that she just, you know, ran off to cottage country.
1: But but back to her reasons for jumping, I feel like in the first season, we're encouraged to think that her being a clone, this whole situation just became too much for her. Uh, probably on top of the fact that she shot Maggie Chen because of it. And she started taking drugs and just had a psychic break, psychotic break, and threw herself in front of a train. And while that's not impossible... I still kind of wonder if maybe she found something out that the other clones and we as the audience don't know about yet. Something even bigger. Maybe she found out about Project Caster. I don't know. But something that she discovered about the clone experiment was actually what drove her to it rather than just sort of a general, ah, this is crazy. I don't know. Does that make sense?
2: I think so. (laughs)
1: But you see what I'm saying? Like, maybe she found out something even more out there and crazy that caused her to jump onto her train.
0: Right. Well, that's the thing. Obviously, she knew more than what she told Allison and Kasima. Obviously. Because we found out in season two that she had actually followed the trail of, I guess it was Paul. I don't know. But she managed to track down Tony and Sammy. And
1: and Allison and Casimira had no idea,
0: right? They didn't know about that. And so, because Sammy had the message for Beth, that what was it—something uh, along the lines of "Don't worry, Paul is like me, a ghost." Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm curious what all it was that led Beth to Sammy. Was it just that she was trying to get in touch with Tony, and could only reach Sammy? and how does sammy know that she knows about
1: paul (laughs) well i was gonna say that message indicates that she might have been forthcoming with sammy about why she was trying to get in touch with tony It, it seems like i mean maybe i'm wrong maybe at that point because sammy was dead he figured he could be more open about such things but that, that message to Sammy I find really intriguing because it kind of indicates that she might have talked to Sammy about Paul and maybe being suspicious of Paul. That might not be what happened. It could just be because Sammy was dying. He thought he could send this message to, to Beth, but maybe he just made some logical conclusions as to why he was trying to, she was trying to get in touch with Tony. But I don't know. It makes me wonder if she was kind of forthcoming with Sammy, but didn't, didn't, um, Ohio?
0: Just a note from the editing room. I do not know what happened to Stephanie's audio. Sorry about that. I believe she was mentioning that they mentioned on the show that Beth had made trips to Ohio. Right. I think it was, I think there were, I want to say there were a couple of phone calls and a couple of trips.
1: Yeah. So that maybe suggests to me that she had perhaps talked to Sammy about the whole clone experiment thing, maybe. I don't know. What do you think?
0: I mean, that seems like the logical conclusion from what we know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. One wonders how much she knew about Paul, I guess yeah. is where I'm kind of going with this is, you know, if they had that conversation, you know, how much did she know that they could have that conversation? Does that yeah. make sense?
1: Yeah. But I, uh, and, and to me, it suggests that at that point, She felt pretty certain that Paul was, you know, looking after her, checking up on her, monitoring her. And because she she had the surveillance equipment in the back of her car, which we see in season Mm -hmm. one. But we don't know for certain if, if she actually got the chance to use it. Right. But I feel like this, what we learned in season two suggests that she maybe did. And she confirmed her suspicions about Paul.
0: I agree. Because it seems like in the first season, we're sort of led to believe that she didn't get a chance to use it. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, who knows? That's just sort of speculation. But yeah, in season two, it definitely indicates that she knew something and, you know, very well may have gotten that information using the uh, surveillance equipment. But yeah, that actually leads me to another question, which is... Sort of a silly question. I wonder how she met Paul. Like, did, did Dyad stage some sort of meet-cute for them?
1: That is a good question. That is a good question. Like they did for for Delphine and Cosima. They had a meet-cute in the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, because we have a sense of how the other clones met their monitors, but not for not for Beth and Paul.
0: Also, FYI, if anybody doesn't know what a meet-cute is, it's, it's the term used to describe... Especially in, like, romantic comedies and such, where the two people who are destined to fall in love will have sort of, like, a, a cute incident where they cross paths and meet for the first time.
1: Right. Like, they, they both need a box of sleeping pills, and there's there's only one left, and their hands touch as they both reach for it, and that's how they meet. Yeah. Stuff like that. In an actual romantic comedy, I should say. <laughs> Why sleeping pills, Stephanie? <laughs> they both are insomniacs. And they bond over their insomnia. Anyhow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're not talking about Speechless featuring De- Gina Davis and Michael Keaton. We're talking about Orphan Black. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, it was an actual example. Okay. Yeah,
1: it was an actual example. <laughs> That's what okay. I it said. It, ha- it was from an actual romantic comedy. <laughs> But <laughs> but yeah, I, I, again, I feel like in season two, we do get a better sense that Beth knew something was was up with Paul, which makes me question Sarah's assertion that she makes in season one where she I believe it's in episode five, where Paul has figured out that Sarah that Sarah is not Beth. And she is, you know, he's confronting her about it. And and she's like, Sarah's dead. And he asks her, you know, if, if Sarah if or sorry, Beth is dead, and he asks her, if Beth is dead, how do I know you didn't kill her? And she comes back at him with because you did, she realized that the the man that she loved had turned her, her life into a lie, and that's why she killed herself. Knowing hearing what we hear in season two, that kind of makes me question Sarah's reasoning. It seemed logical in season one, but I'm less certain about it in season two.
0: Well, she did find the note that Beth had written. Right. And I think that's what Sarah was basing that on. Yeah. So I'm curious what all was in that letter, for one thing, and whether or not that was honest.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: All the new answers we get just give us more questions. More questions. It
1: Yeah, it completely does. It completely does. Because I've also thing- seen on Tumblr, because Tumblr... Tumblr loves Beth Childs. Tumblr Tumblr really
0: loves Beth Childs. Beth
1: Childs. So I see a lot, I've seen a lot of really interesting speculation and and sort of writing on Beth. And I have seen some people wonder if the reason that she breaks down and throws herself in front of a train is that she took on too much by herself because we see that she kept a lot from Allison and Cosima Mm -hmm. and, and just got so overwhelmed by everything. And that's what kind of caused her breakdown and, and, and such. So less, less about like, Oh, I'm a clone and my life's a shambles and more just like, I have to protect everybody and I can't do it. That maybe being a motivation for throwing herself in front of a train. I thought that was an interesting idea for why she might have.
0: I could buy that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because we have seen Sarah sort of take on that role in the past couple of seasons and it does. I mean,
1: it's. It's not a small burden. Mm-hmm. No, not at all. Lots of questions about, about why Beth threw herself in front of a train. And I don't know. We've talked about this before. I, f- I feel like it's unlikely if we'll ever get a Beth flashback. Flashbacks don't really seem to have a place in the style of Orphan Black storytelling. But I do wonder if we might get a video message that Beth recorded before she killed herself. Or like you mentioned, surprise twist that wasn't actually Beth who threw herself in front of the train. It was, it was somebody, a a clone that she had switched places with purposefully because she felt like, you know, diet was onto her or for, for whatever reason she felt like she needed to go into hiding. Mm Hmm.
0: I mean, I'm not going to assume that that's the actual case, but it's, it's interesting speculation.
1: Oh, I think so too, for sure.
0: But yeah, I, for all intents and purposes, let's assume that it was actually Beth. <laughs> and, um yeah,
1: I don't know. I did find a quotation on Tumblr that we are pretty sure is from this year's panel at San Diego Con- Comic-Con with-, with Graham and John and Tatiana and a couple other people. And somebody asked, will we ever see a Beth flashback? And the answer Given was nothing is off the table. I love the vague language she uses right here. At some point, there is a definite chance that we may see that there's a twist to Beth's story that we look forward to showing. Th- that we look forward showing it. That doesn't isn't grammatically correct, but you get what he's saying. And I, I again, I I think this isn't from this year's San Diego Comic Con post season two. If it's actually from post season one panel, it could be that the twist was that. She, she'd found Tony, and that's the twist he's talking about. But I, again, I, from what I can tell, this is from this year's panel.
0: But yeah, you're right. It's like, way to vague that up. The, yeah. <laughs> at some point, there's a definite chance that, that we, we may, may see it. it. <laughs> I think you're right, though, that if we see anything, it's going to be in the form of some message that Beth has left, rather than a flashback. The show doesn't really do flashbacks. I I think there's a, there's been a fair amount of talk about maybe putting some Beth backstory in the comic book series that IDW is putting out. And I like that idea. I think they maybe said that they were planning to do that or at least were thinking about doing that. I can't remember now. I'll have to look it up. But there's been talk about it.
1: Yeah. I do like that idea. I think that would be a good place to explore more of Beth's storyline. Mm hmm. I think in addition to these questions we have about how much Beth knew, did she, you know, did she get to the point where she knew about Project Caster? I, mm, I don't think she did, personally. I don't think she got quite that far. But maybe I'm wrong. It
0: seems unlikely, but again, you never know.
1: Mm hmm. But how much more did she find out that we haven't learned about yet? Are there going to be other clones that come out of the woodwork? that she had been in touch with or tried to get in touch with. And so there's definitely questions about how much Beth knew in regards to the the clone experiment that still need answering. But I I think we also are really curious about the relationships that Beth had with people because we get to see the remnants of those through Sarah interacting with folks as Beth. But we, we don't know for sure what those relationships were really like.
0: Hmm. And we have such a vague idea of what Beth was like, that it's really hard to figure anything out with any certainty. But yeah, I'm really curious about her relationship with her coworkers. workers Perhaps, possibly, perhaps, possibly, perhaps because of- <laughs> You sound like Graham. <laughs> I know. Possibly because of the conversations we've had about art- <laughs> Are I now like legendary <laughs> discussions about art. <laughs> I like art, <laughs> but um, I, I'm curious just because the way art spoke to Sarah Asbeth. I don't know. I still get the sense that there's probably sort of a uh, a, a like a fondness there that expresses itself in grouchiness. Yes, <laughs> basically,
1: <laughs> we do get that sense. He does make that comment about how his being a hard ass is the thing he, she likes best about him. So I think definitely they they had a a similar rapport where they gave each other a hard time. But he is so pissed at Sarah when we first encounter him, and and you know, granted, Beth hasn't been answering her phone for hours, so that could be the reason behind that. You know, he's really nervous about this this hearing and she's just not responding to him at all. But I do wonder how much of his protectiveness that we, we might've been able to see on a daily day-to-day basis in his interactions with Beth. Cause he does seem to be fairly protective of her at times. Mm -hmm. This idea that she is his rookie and he needed to look out for her.
0: I don't know. This is perhaps just, me excessively speculating but i always kind of think that you know because we know that art's a dad so i kind of think it's maybe one of those like protective like parental kind of things where it's you know like tough love (laughs) basically like like i am so mad at you because you're messing up but Mm -hmm. i'm mad at you because i love you and i want you to do better (laughs) right you know one of those things right i don't know
1: And then I've always been intrigued by the relationship between Angie and Beth. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, I don't know, because Sarah makes that comment, which just seems to come out of nowhere, mid-season, where she insinuates that, you know, Angie has always been jealous of Beth getting better cases than she does or something to that effect. And I wonder, A, Angie doesn't really seem to deny that so much. Like, it seems plausible in that moment, but A, how would, how would Sarah kind of know that? I don't see a ton of that in the interactions between Sarah as Beth and Angie. But was, was that actually an element to Angie and Beth's relationship? Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess the
0: main thing I get from Angie is that Angie's just like really eager to work. Mm-hmm. And so like maybe, maybe Sarah's tapping into that. But yeah, I don't ever understand that when Sarah says that. Just like, where does that come from?
1: Cause I do wonder, yeah, clearly Angie is a dedicated police officer. This is something she takes really seriously. And I wouldn't, I don't know that we know enough about Beth to say that perhaps she didn't take being a police officer, a, a detective seriously. But I wonder if maybe Angie had more, has more experience than Beth. She does seem, she is older, the actress who plays Angie is old. Is older than Tatiana Mazani, so it would make sense that maybe she'd been a detective longer. And she resents the fact that this rookie got paired with Art, who tends to get good cases because he has more seniority or something like that.
0: Who knows? I'm, I'm wondering.
1: But I've always wondered who Angie's partner is supposed to be because, you know, she's kind of thrown with Art when Beth gets benched, right. But she doesn't seem to have a partner that she's deserting. Right.
0: Well, see, that's what I mean, though, is is every time Art gets a case or gets something that he's about to run out the door for, Angie's kind of like, like, want me to come? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, she always seems really eager to go join him on whatever it is. And I don't know, maybe they were paired up while uh, Beth was on desk duty or, or on
1: leave or whatever. Yeah, I I did wonder that if maybe they were partners well. Well, Beth was on desk duty and so there's some resentment that she's no longer getting to work with Art now that Beth is back.
0: Right, and maybe that's what Sarah's referring to. Who knows, but
1: yeah. Cuz Angie has her moments where she's friendly to Beth, you know, when Right. I think that's I- my
0: that's my big issue with Sarah saying that is like it seems like most of their interactions, you know, Angie at the very minimum is
1: civil. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Because I'm thinking of when they are investigating, I believe it's in episode 104? Because Helena appears at the the end of 103, right? Correct. Yeah. So, it's in 104 where they're investigating at that, you know, suburban home that Helena broke into and washed herself off. And and Angie's there and... When, when Sarah, as Beth, comes to the scene, Angie makes some comment about how, hey, we're gonna get him, you know? Like, she, she makes kind of a camaraderie type of comment about the fact that we're working hard on this case and I'm sorry that happened to you type of deal. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I, I feel like the hostility between the two of them doesn't really emerge until that argument where Sarah makes that comment about Angie not liking her. So that comment has never really made a whole lot of sense to me.
0: Yeah, me either. Well, and isn't that conversation that they have, too, when they find out about the other clone, or they find inconsistencies, and it sort of mm-hmm. casts a, a shadow of doubt on Beth, and that's where Angie seems to get suspicious of Sarah. And then it seems like Sarah's maybe, like, grasping at straws to fight back against it? I don't know. but Yeah, yeah. Even then, it's kind of like... What? Where'd that come from?
1: <laughs> where did that come from? So, it, But it is interesting, because we mentioned this previously, that in season two, Angie really was the one who made a lot of Beth references and kind of kept Beth alive, especially in the beginning of season two. Because she has that, that confrontation with Art where she says, you know, you're letting two partners down, me and Beth. And in the first episode, when she releases Sarah after Art tells her to do so, She makes some comment about how, oh, you miss Beth's life, you little grifter, you know? So Angie really makes a whole lot of Beth comments in season two. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, because she also mentions to Allison, she's like, yeah, I'm a cop, like Beth. Right. So it's interesting that Sarah suggested that Angie and Beth had kind of an antagonistic relationship, and yet she's the character who keeps Beth alive in sort of the viewer's minds, the audience's mind, through a lot of season two. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, to me, fits in with what we know about Angie from before. That whole, like, real camaraderie kind of thing going on there. You know, a fallen comrade there. Right. Solidarity. Whatever. I don't know. (laughs) You know what I
1: mean, right? (laughs) I I understand what you're saying. Okay, thank you. (laughs) But yeah, I would just I would love for Beth to pop up in the storyline in some regard in the future. She just seems like a key to a, a big big chunk of the puzzle could be. Mm-hmm. She she could be a big key to that. So, which is yeah, why I'd, they
0: haven't told us more yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz that's not how TV works. <laughs> no. No. <sighs> Got to withhold the good stuff.
1: There is of course the the folks online, the soccer cop shippers, who are very interested in Beth's relationship with Allison. And I, while I, I, I would not call myself a soccer cop shipper, I, I do think that could be interesting to learn more about. Because of, of the two of them, Allison really seems to be the one who's affected by news of Beth's death. And she has some, some kind words to say about Beth when she's teaching Sarah how to shoot.
0: When you say of the two of them, you mean her and Kasima?
1: Yes. Okay. Between Allison and Kasima, she's the one who's upset.
0: Which kind of makes sense. They're in the same sort of general area, geographically speaking. They might have spent more time together.
1: Though so that is also a question we've talked about in regards to Beth—is was she actually from that area, or did she move from somewhere else in Canada? Or I—I I don't think we have any indication she wasn't Canadian, but did she, did she move from somewhere else in Canada to the Toronto area? Because it seems—it seems odd that Dyad would have purposely put two clones so close together mm-hmm. when choosing the the parents and the majority of.
0: It seems like the indications all point to Allison being from the Scarborough area, right?
1: Especially, yeah, since we get the sense that her mother lives there. I think we do get a, a sense that Allison is from the area. Mm-hmm. I also kind of wonder about Beth's family. You know, we never see them emerge even when she dies. Mm-hmm. Are they still – I don't think they mention anything about them not being alive, but I – I could be misremembering.
0: Of course, they didn't know she died, so
1: that's true. That's true, because at first it was Sarah's body, but they did eventually find out. Like Art figured out that it was it was Beth who was on the slab, right at the end of season one. Yes,
0: though we so. never saw the follow up to that. So yeah,
1: that's true. It could it could be that her parents don't know still, <laughs> but I do wonder about her family because do you get the sense that i get the sense that that's paul's apartment yes
0: they said they said as much that um right dyad Dyad provided it for for that
1: yeah and beth beth wears like nicer clothes Mm -hmm. perhaps drives a nicer car drives a nicer car perhaps nicer than most detectives would would probably be able to afford so did, does, did that money that bought her the nicer clothes and the nicer car come from Paul or did, was her family fairly well off? We, I mean, to be able to afford, afford in vitro fertilization, you don't have to be rich, but it helps if you are at least, you know, pretty comfortably middle class. But I do kind of wonder if she came from a more, more privileged background.
0: I think that is a logical conclusion.
1: Oh, thinking of Beth and, and Allison, they also are both, it seems, fairly athletic, so I wonder if they worked out together.
0: <laughs> and a dozen soccer cop fix were born. <laughs> they probably already existed.
1: Yeah, probably.
3: <laughs> Hi, Chris and Stephanie. This is Jeff in Ann Arbor. It's hard for me to believe that Beth, or some other suicidal clone posing as Beth, looked at Sarah, thought about the coincidence of encountering an unfamiliar clone at that moment, and then proceeded to kill herself anyway. My theory is that Beth decided she would be unable to lie well enough for the Maggie Chen case to be closed without raising too many questions. She found Sarah using a police fingerprint database, and then she did a lot of research. She decided that Beth's best chance of convincing the board that Maggie's death was an accident would be for her to force Sarah to act without knowing too much. I think Beth knew which train Sarah was on, and she waited to see Sarah before putting down her phone, car keys, and shoes. I hope that in Season 3, we will find Beth's dossier on Sarah, along with a suicide note.
2: Hello, this is Chris's dad. uh, On the subject of Beth Childs, uh, seeing as how her character is on screen so briefly in the initial episode, and that we only learn snippets about the character later, third-hand from Paul and Art, I think that although Beth as a character would be interesting to learn more about, such as her parents, how she became a cop, her interests, how she met Paul, etc., I think to do so at this point in the series is not value-added or kind of pointless as well as distracting unless it's told as part of a flashback that included stories of the other drone clones not drones, clones as part of something that wrapped up the series uh, as the way I envision, which I would not like to see at all. So uh, I don't see any value-added in pursuing the character of Beth Child's uh, myself, my opinion. Thanks.
1: Jonathan sent us an email about Beth, and here's partly what he said. Beth seems to have been driven, extremely capable, seductive, and smart. Yet all we know of her firsthand is that she kills herself. Her ghost haunts the series. Her death is a question that cries out for an answer. The sense that the story will eventually have to circle back and return to its moment of origin hovers over all the subsequent action. Beth's death is like an opening chord that is periodically replayed, but is yet to be resolved. We want to know Beth and we can't know Beth, which leaves us fascinated. Her character is as great and compelling as a mystery as the conspiracies that drive the plot Greg had a comment about Beth as well. He said, I really wish we got a flashback episode where Tatiana Maslany can play Beth Childs. Two seasons in, and I still think her suicide is quite a mystery. And we might get some extra stuff on Paul, which is needed since I find his character and Mrs. S kind of confusing after season two.
0: We also got an email from Katrin, who guested on our Delphine episode. I have an endless amount of questions concerning Beth Childs. For one, why the train? Why would someone with enough drugs in her medicine cabinet to do the job as well as access to at least one gun commit suicide by jumping in front of a train? Why was she there? Did she have any reason to be there other than the suicide? Am I supposed to believe that it's coincidence that the person who brought Clone Club together happens to be in the same place as Sarah? Also, why is her scar from the supposed mountain biking accident in the exact same place Daniel cut Sarah? Could that mean Beth was farther into things than we ever suspected? Or is that just coincidence too? Is there more to her suicide than we know? Could she have been forced into it? Or could that have been another clone entirely? Maybe Beth wanted to disappear and found another clone, perhaps one dying of the clone disease who didn't have much time left anyway, and asked her to make it look like she, Beth, had committed suicide, telling her to do it publicly, where Sarah was, knowing Sarah would take over her life, so that Allison and Cosima would remain in good hands or maybe Dyad or Topside have Beth captive, and they forced another clone to commit suicide as Beth. I feel like there just has to be more to this. And then there's the timing of the thing. Knowing how hard Beth worked and how much she cared, it doesn't fit that she would kill herself right when Katya, who needed her help, and Kasima, who was going to be helping Katya, were coming into town. Basically, Beth is my biggest source of confusion and intrigue on this show. I have so many questions about her and her motives and her goals. I want so badly to learn more about her in one way or another. She fascinates me more than I ever thought a character who got only five-ish minutes of screen time ever could.
1: Let us know your thoughts about Beth. We'd be really interested to hear them. It, probably there'll be more questions, but we'd love to hear those as well. You can leave those in the comments up for the show notes of this episode over at dot com slash 52. You can also send us an email with those thoughts or anything else you'd like to tell us about future topics for the show or any other type of feedback to feedback at tatiana is com. you can also send us a voice message by clicking on the send voicemail tab on the right hand side of our website we are on twitter at tie podcast and we are also on facebook and this week the meat cute
0: was played by tatiana masani because she's a meat cute all by herself <laughs> thank you for listening